Hello, George. I'm so super excited to announce the guest speaker from today. His name is Glenn Barrett from UK Manchester. Glenn, I like the way you teach. I like your church. You have an amazing church. You have an amazing impact all over the world. You worship, your family. And one thing I don't understand, how in the flipping world can you be a fan for Manchester City? You know, you take Pep Guardiola from my team, FC Bayern in Munich, you change it to your team. That means you have something in common, the same coach, but in the wrong team. But, by the way, you're an amazing pastor. And a lot of my closest friends said to me, if you have ever the chance to invite one guest speaker again, please invite Glenn again. You are here because of my friends, and of course of me, and the whole church and Jesus. And let's honor Glenn Brett on the stage. Let's stand up from the front to the back, from the left to the right, and let's honor Glenn Brett with an amazing applause from the church. Come on, church, let's stand up and give an amazing applause for Glenn Brett on the stage. Come on. Hey, how you doing tonight? Everyone doing well this afternoon? You all good? Great. Well, listen, listen, this is my commitment. Uh, I love you guys so much that my football team are playing right now, Manchester City Football Club. While I'm here, they're playing. So, Father, help Manchester City to win today, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you honour sacrifice. And so my sacrifice of being here, would you honour that? Help us to beat Chelsea 10-0 this afternoon because you're a good God in Jesus' name. Help Pastor Leo, who's upset about Pep Guardiola coming to Manchester City also. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So good. I'm excited to be here this afternoon in Zurich. My son is snowboarding somewhere today with, uh, with Joel and um, up a mountain somewhere. I've had one text about five hours ago saying they were okay. So I don't know where he is now. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what's going on, but I'm hoping that he's doing well and uh, I'm super excited to be back with you. I was with you in February last year and had the honour of being able to speak to you on the subject of the promises of God. And tonight what I want to do is I want to speak to you about the house of God. Because I am uh, super excited to see the new building plans. Last night, Pastor Leo and I, we went out for a meal. He showed me pictures of your building plot and then showed me the architect's plans for the new building that you're going to be moving into in 35 weeks' time, Jenny. That's what I said, 35 weeks' time. And I think that's amazing. It's going to be uh, an amazing place that you guys are going to be able to call home. An amazing place that ICF is going to be able to call their church, your church, and I'm believing that your move into a new building is going to usher in a new season of God doing great things. You know, who would have imagined 20 years ago when ICF started, when also when Pastor Leo and Susanna came, was it 18, 19 years ago, 20 years ago, it was almost like God was dropping a rock into a pond or into an ocean and the ripples are going all across the world. And I want you to know that all around Europe, many people are watching to see what's happening here in, in ICF Zurich because we kind of realise if you can do it in Zurich, then we can do it in Manchester and people can do it in London and people can do it in Scotland as well. So I want to encourage you, keep going with your heart and your commitment to serve God in this city and in this nation. I want to read to you just a few verses tonight from Mark chapter 11 in the Bible. We're going to look at three verses, but I want to pick up on one word, one word that Jesus uses in His conversation tonight. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 15, we read this. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, Is it not written, 
My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. I love this moment in the Bible. I don't know what we're gonna do when we get to heaven. I've got a few ideas on what we'll do. Uh, last Sunday in our church, I spoke about heaven. I spoke about eternal life. What will that look like? So I've got a few thoughts and a few ideas. But I like the idea of maybe when I get to heaven, I'm gonna go to heaven's library. I don't know when that will be and I don't even know if heaven's got a library, but go with me for a moment. I reckon I'm gonna get to heaven for a million years. I'm gonna walk around going, wow. And then for another million years, I'm gonna be worshiping Jesus. That'll never get boring. And then at some point, maybe when the band are changing, maybe the angels are changing drum kits or, or one angel's walking off and another worship leader's coming on, I'm gonna run to heaven's library because I wanna go to the Blu-ray section in the library. Because I reckon heaven's gonna have a Blu-ray section where you can put it in a cosmic Blu-ray player and the galaxies are the backdrop. And I reckon it'd be great if you could watch scenes from the Bible being played out in front of you live. I love that idea. I love the idea that we could maybe look at the last 2,000 years of history and watch key moments on this planet. I wanna take this Blu-ray from this moment because this is the moment when Jesus gets mad. Now listen, there are two people on this planet that when they get mad, I get nervous. The first person when she gets mad is my mum. Now my mum lives in Australia. I live in England. You can't get further away from where my mum is to where I live. Like I'm on the other side. She is on the outermost parts of the earth. But when she sends me a text and says, we need to talk now, my knees start to shake. I mean, get this, I'm married. I've been married 20 years. I have two children. I own a few properties. I have an investment portfolio. I got lots of different things. But when my mum, she's only about this big, when she texts me and I know she's upset, I get really, really nervous. The other person when she's mad, I get nervous, is my wife. I'm just gonna show you a picture of my wife. Here she is. This is Sophia. Now, Sophia is from South America. She is from Chile. She's Latin American. And Nick will understand this. You don't mess with Latin American chicks because when they're mad, you know about it. My wife has kind of two looks in her eyes. One look that says, I love you. Another look that says, I'm gonna kill you. And so when she's mad, I get nervous. But here's the moment that we just read when the creator of the heavens and earth, Jesus gets mad. I wanna watch this moment. It's the moment that Jesus goes to church with expectation, but he's disappointed with what he discovers when he gets there. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know what it's like to have expectation only to be disappointed? Do you know? You see, 20 years ago, my family, my wife and I, we got married in Australia. We went to South America for a two month honeymoon. And then we moved to England 20 years ago. We live in Manchester, we've been living there for eight years. We lived in Yorkshire before that, Yorkshire in England. And we soon discovered that England has summer once a year on a Tuesday between two and four in the afternoon and then the sun goes. So we discovered that the only way you can see the sun living in England is you gotta go to Europe and find it. We discovered in our first year of marriage that the sun likes to go to an island called Malta. 
And so we decided we, we wanted to book a holiday to Malta so we could, we could get a suntan. We went into a travel agent and, and we said, listen, we can afford this amount of money and we wanna go five star. She laughed. She said, sir, there is no way you can have five star accommodation for the amount of money that you wanna pay. So I said, is there anything you can do? She said, well, we can do what we call a mystery hotel. So I went, what's a mystery hotel? She says, well, you can choose the star, five star, four star, three star, two star, if you want. You tell us what star you want. And when you get to Malta, we will give you uh, the hotel. It, it's a mystery hotel. You won't know until you get there. So I looked at my wife. I said, what do you think? She said, let's do it. So, so I said, okay, we want a five-star hotel. She says, we can just make it work. So we get on a plane. We fly to Malta. We get out, we, we, we take our bags. Uh, the gentleman says, sir, uh, if you go to bus number 37, so we go to bus number 37, and there's all these young married couples there. And so we're looking around thinking, yeah, this is our crew. We get onto the bus and the bus drives and comes to the first hotel drop-off point. And all these names are read out, but our name wasn't read out. But that hotel was stunning. We got to the second hotel. The second hotel was better than the first. The third was better than the first two put together. And the fourth was like heaven on earth. But our names were not read out. Now you've got to understand, every hotel got better and better and better and better. And now there's just two people sitting on the bus, me and my wife, Sophia. So our expectation is increasing. We've paid for a five-star mystery hotel. Every hotel that we've seen is getting better and better. Our expectation is increasing. And when we pulled up outside our hotel, she looked at me and she said, you booked it. <laughs> and the eyes weren't eyes that said, I love you. The eyes were eyes that said, I'm gonna kill you. The pool is the only hotel pool on the island that's built in the shade of the hotel. Half of the hotel was not built. The restaurant was not functioning. The linen was not there in the bedrooms. And needless to say, we had expectation, but were disappointed. Do you know what that's like? To expect something, but to be disappointed? Ever bought a Volkswagen and thought you're doing the environment good, but things weren't going too good? You know what I'm talking about? Expectation, disappointed. Well, that's what's happening here with Jesus. He comes to church and he's disappointed. He has expectation, but his expectation for what he will see and encounter is not what he actually encounters. My prayer is this, that God, you would come to church, ICF Zurich, you'd come to Audacious in Manchester and never be disappointed with what you encounter there. You see, Jesus says here, He says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. I find it interesting here that Jesus calls church a house. He doesn't call it a ceremony. Do you know what a ceremony is? A ceremony is something that you put on in order to achieve something else. Let me explain. In England, we have a queen. And all English boys are taught to love two women. You have to love your mama and you love the queen. And then when you get married, you love your wife. But don't forget to love the queen. Now, when the queen turns up places, she turns up with pomp and ceremony, Nick. Pomp and ceremony. I learned how to say that in German before, but I can't remember what it is. Pomp 
and ceremony. She arrives and they roll out the red carpet. Just recently, some of our young people from our church had the honour of meeting the Queen when she came to Manchester. So we had to instruct them in pomp and ceremony. We said things like this. When you meet the Queen, do not wear your pyjamas. Wear your best clothes. Number two, do not touch the Queen or you will get shot. Number three, don't speak to the Queen unless she first speaks to you. And then the fourth thing is this, we taught the girls how to curtsy, we taught the guys how to bow. They had to understand pomp and ceremony. Now, I think in Europe, many people get church wrong. Many people think of church in the context of ceremony and think that church is a ceremony. Let me explain. A little while ago, we put on our Easter theatrical production. Apparently the second best Easter theatrical production in a church in Europe, because you have the best one. And we have thousands of people there. And I had, was given 14 minutes to preach the gospel. So my message was called this. Jesus came as he did, so you can come as you are. I preached for 14 minutes. And then I gave people an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus if they weren't a follower of Jesus. Many, many people came forward and said, I wanna know this Jesus that the theatrical show has been showing and you've been speaking about. But while I was preaching, I noticed sitting five rows back on this side, a guy who I could only describe as being a proper Christian. Now, do you know what a proper Christian is? A proper Christian is someone whose joy is so deep, they never tell their face. <laughs> so I'm on stage speaking, and you've got to understand, our church is loud. Our church, in praise and worship, everybody's jumping. And, and while I'm preaching, people stand and shout. They say, preach it, pastor. And even when they don't like what I'm preaching, they still smile and nod. And, and, but this guy over here, he was seriously not into it. After the meeting, I came down off stage and I'm meeting people and he comes up to me. I says, g'day, what's your name? He says, my name's Nick. I said, hey, Nick. I said, did you enjoy church? He said, not at all. I hated it. I thought, wow, no need to be so honest. You could at least, at least lie. You know, you hurt my feelings. I said, why didn't, why didn't you like it? He said, well, the theatrical production was brilliant. Second best theatrical show in a church in Europe. The sound, the lighting, great. The acting, brilliant. He says, but it wasn't until an hour and 10 minutes into the night when you got up on stage and formally prayed, that's really only when the meeting started. And then you only read one verse and then you preach for only 14 minutes. He said, this church is shambolic. It's a good word, shambolic. And for 10 minutes, he's telling me how much he hated our church. 10 minutes, just like this, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I'm going, wow, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Just 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And then he made the mistake of inhaling. He, to take a breath. So as he was inhaling, I decided to exhale. Now, sometimes I'm a really kind pastor who hugs and says, oh, they're there, hold babies and kiss them on the head. But other times, the spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit smackdown comes upon me. And I looked at him, I said, Nick, I've only known you for 10 minutes, but I've made a decision, I don't like you at all. And his jaw hit the floor. 
I felt sorry for him. And then I said this, I said, but I know the girl who brought you tonight. And if she likes you, you must be pretty cool. He said, Glenn, he said, if we got time together, you'd really like me. He said, I like coffee, you like coffee. I like motorbikes, you like motorbikes. We would have a lot in common. I said, yeah. I said, so what's the difference then between me making a judgment call on you after 10 minutes and you making a decision about our church after a 90 minute service? Maybe what you should do is come out with our teams who go out every night of the week to work with the homeless, the drug addicts and the prostitutes. Maybe you need to work with our teams who are helping to pastorally care and practically support over 200 families in the city who are working with people who are living with cancer. Maybe you should come with our teams who go into primary schools and go into the high schools and the universities. And I began to list all of the things that we operate throughout the life of our church. I said, do you think maybe if you joined one of those things or saw one of those things, you would like our church? He said, yeah. Maybe I would. You see, the difference between him and me that night was really simple. He came to a ceremony, but I came to a house. And I wanna say to you tonight, welcome to the house of God. This is far more than just 90 minutes on a Sunday afternoon, something to fill the diary. There is something more going on in this place than just a service, just a ceremony that we run. You see, Jesus never calls it a ceremony. He calls it a house. Now, sometimes in my house, we love each other. Other times in my house, I wanna kill one of my children. There are some times in my house when it's really clean and tidy. There are other times when it's messy. There are some times when it smells good and there are other times when I've been cooking and it smells burnt. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you're gonna come to the house here on a Sunday and it's gonna be an amazing service. Pastor Leo's gonna be up there preaching. Other times you're gonna be listening to an English guy trying to communicate a message. But I wanna tell you this, welcome to the house of God. There is more going on here than just the 90 minutes that you see. Far more going on than an amazing band on stage and the great screens up here. There is more going on. Welcome to the house of God. The Bible puts it this way. It says that you and I are being built like living stones into this house. This is not a ceremony, it's a house. I notice that he calls it a house, not a ceremony. I notice he calls it a house, not a hotel. Now listen, I've got to tell you, I love hotels. Uh, there, there are some things I don't like about hotels, uh, but there are many things I love about hotels. The worst hotel I've ever stayed in in my life is in Birmingham, England. If ever you go to Birmingham, make sure you text me, tweet me, Facebook me, say, Glenn, which hotel should I avoid? Because I promise I've still got a rash on my arm from that hotel. My favorite hotel in the world is in Singapore. It's called the Shangri-La, and it is La. I was there for six days. I woke up, I went downstairs for breakfast. At the door, this Singaporean lady, she bowed. She says, sir, is this your first time to the Shangri-La? I said, yes, it is. She said, sir, let me show you around the restaurant. I said, well, I've never needed a guided tour around a restaurant before. She said, sir, it's big. 
We started in this corner over here. This is breakfast. And she takes me through all the array. She walks me through every serving station. This is the Indonesian food. This is the food from Malaysia. This here is the food from Northern India. This is the food from Southern India. This is food from Great Britain, fish and chips for breakfast. Uh, this is the food from Russia. This is, and all the way around. And it, it was absolutely amazing. I love hotels. I travel 10 days a month and have done that for the last 10 years. I've stayed in hundreds and hundreds of hotels. And the thing I love the most about hotels is this. I have no responsibility whatsoever. I woke up this morning in a nice hotel just down the way here. I woke up and I looked at the bed and I thought, wow, I didn't move too much in my, in my sleep last night. It's the biggest bed you've ever seen with four pillows. I have one head, but I had four pillows. I'm in a hotel, I got no responsibility. I was tempted to take all of the four pillows and throw them around the room, just to give the cleaner a job. I felt like taking the bedding and pulling it down and throwing it off into one corner over there just to give the cleaner a job. I have no responsibility whatsoever. Ah, I got in the shower. And there's a sticker on the mirror. The sticker says this, if you'd like to conserve the environment and like to reuse the towel, then please just hang the towel up. But if you'd like a new towel, just throw the old towel in the bath and we'll give you a new one tomorrow. And I believe in conservation. I recycle. I'm into solar energy and all that sort of stuff. One towel. I'm only here for two nights. One towel. I can do that, Nick. One towel. So I'm in the shower. In the shower. And as I'm in the shower, I look at the shelf and the shelf has... Five towels. I've got one head, four pillows. I've got one body, five towels. There seems to be a theme going on. But I'm gonna use one towel. But while I'm in the shower, the five towels are saying, my precious. And as I get out of the shower, though I want to use one towel, I'm tempted to use all five. One for one leg, one for another. One for this side of my body, one for this side and one on my head like a turban. I'm tempted to do that because it's a hotel and I have no responsibility whatsoever. But let me ask you something. What do you think would happen if I went home to my house and treated my house like a hotel? I mean, is this what you think happens in my house? That tomorrow afternoon when I get home, the door of the car will open up the right-hand side because our steering wheel is on the proper side of the car in England. The door will open and I will get out. I've got one, two rounds of light. That's amazing. I'm most excited you've been all night, guys. It's awesome. I get out and there's red carpet. Is that what you think happens? And I walk around on red carpet and I get to the front of my house, there's red carpet and, and outside the door of my house is my 12-year-old son, my 15-year-old daughter and my beautiful wife. I look at my son, my son says, Daddy, I've been very well behaved. I'm like, I know you've been with me in Zurich. I look at my 15 year old daughter, I say, honey, what are the rules? She goes, Daddy, the rules are simple. I'm not allowed to marry a man until I'm 40 or you're dead. That's right, that's a good girl. I look at my wife, I say, hello, darling. She says, hello. And I walk through the house on a red carpet. I walk into the dining room, they pull open the chair and they put it back. We sit down, we have a three course meal. When I finish, they finish and then we retire to the reading room and I have no responsibility. Is that what you think happens in my house? I'm here to tell you if I treat my house like a hotel, my wife who's Latin American, she'll kill me. 
but because she's a woman of God, she'll raise me from the dead again just so she can kill me again. Because I don't live in a hotel. I live in a house. And I wanna say this to you tonight. Welcome to the house of God. There are many people in England who treat the house of God like a hotel. But I wanna say this again. God has put you as living stones in this house. And there is a part that God wants each and every one of us to play. Just recently, I heard a story of a 16-year-old boy. This 16-year-old boy was coming home from school, from college. He walked through the front door of the house. His mom and dad were sitting in the lounge room. Mum said to the son, hey son, how was school today? I don't know if you know many 16-year-olds, they don't really talk, they grunt. And so the son kicked off his shoes at the bottom of the stairs, dropped his bag and ran upstairs to the room, put the music on 11 really loud. Mum was really disappointed because he was starting, the son was starting to disconnect from her. The father excused himself from the room. He, he started to walk up the stairs. He stood over the bag and he stepped over the shoes and he made his way up to his son's bedroom. He knocked on the door. The son didn't hear because the music was so loud. So the father opened the door and he snuck across the, the bedroom to, to the music player and turned the music down, slow fade to off. He sat on the bed. He said, son, I wanna talk to you. He said, son, this house is your house. This house is your home. If you're thirsty, there's Cokes in the fridge. If you're cold, there are blankets in the cupboard. If you're lonely, you can talk to your mom and I anytime. Son, if you need money, you just need to ask, how much do you need? But son, I need you to understand something. If you want the blessing of the house, it's time to take responsibility in the house. So son, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk back downstairs. And before you pick up your shoes and your bag, go into the lounge room and see the woman who brought you into this world because if you don't, I will take you out of this world. (laughs) Look your mum in the eyes. Tell her how much you love her. And then on the way back up the stairs, pick up the shoes, pick up the bag, come back into your room. And son, I gotta let you know that I paid good money for a carpet to be put in your bedroom. And at some point in my lifetime, I would like to see this carpet again. Son, if you want the blessing, it's time to take responsibility in the house. Do you know the Bible says this, blessed is the man and woman who is planted in the house of God. Do you know something happens when you begin to take responsibility in the house of God? The blessing that's on the house becomes the blessing in your life. And in our church, I've heard thousands and thousands of stories from people who were kind of away from God, found faith in God, came to church, got plugged in, took responsibility, and now saying things like this, my marriage has changed, my business is different, things are looking different. Why? Because they took responsibility and blessing flowed into their life. I've got to finish with one final thought and then we've got to go. The last thought i got is this. Well, the first one is this. It's a house, not a ceremony. Secondly, it's a house, not a hotel. And the third thing is this. It's a house, not a business transaction. Because here's what the Bible says. That Jesus, in Mark chapter 11, he went into the temple area during the week of the Passover. <clears throat> the week of the Passover was one of the busiest calendar weeks in the year of one of the children of God. They would go to Jerusalem and offer sacrifice for their sins. 
<coughs> the Bible says Jesus entered the temple area. The temple area was the only part of the temple that non-Jews, Gentiles, and women were allowed to go. And that was the place where they would buy and they would sell the animals for sacrifice. The image we have in our mind right now is the image of the trading floors, the buying and selling of shares. Think about Wall Street. Think about that whole clamoring for attention, everybody shouting. Now add to that 250,000 sheep. And that's what Jesus encountered when he walked into church. What he encountered was this, people who were busy doing the stuff of their faith, but forgot why they were doing it. Let me say this, every growing church is a busy church. In our church in Manchester, it takes a minimum of 140 volunteers to run each service. People are busy, just as people in this church are busy. But I notice here in the Bible that Jesus calls it a house of prayer, a house of intimacy, not a business transaction. And my encouragement is this, in the busyness of the stuff that we do in church life, let's never forget why we do what we do. It's so we can come back to a place of connecting our hearts to the God that we love, to the God that we worship. This is a house of intimacy. So when we sing songs like your love goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on, we should be there in that moment with hands lifted to say, God, your love goes on and on and on. I'm connecting my heart with you because this is a house of intimacy. My father used to be a pastor, a preacher. He was a theologian. He was a very clever man. My dad had 10,000 books in his personal library and had a photographic memory. He was a freak of nature. When he died 20 years ago, I inherited all of those books. Man, he was amazing. I remember my dad many years ago, I was 15. He was invited to take over a church of 60 people. This church of 60 people, the leadership said this, Pastor Barrett, everything that you want to do, we will change. We're ready for change. We've not seen growth. We've never seen people get connected to Jesus. We haven't seen it for a long time. So my family relocated from one country to another and my dad took over this church and after six months of being in this church, it became very clear that the people did not want to change. They sat in the same seats every Sunday because they bought those seats in a special offering in 1967. Their names were engraved on those seats. So my dad said to me one week, he said, Glenn, I want you to take the whole week off school. That next day on the Monday, I didn't go to school. My dad and I went to church and he, stood, he got on one end of the row of chairs. I got on the other. We lifted them up. They were all connected and he carried them out through the church doors. We did it row after row. There was a big oak preaching lectern at the front and a holy communion table down here as well. And everything got taken out and put onto a pile. And then my dad took a can of petrol and he poured it over it. My dad threw me the box of matches. He said, here, you light it. I said, why me? He said, because I don't want to get in trouble. I want to tell everybody you did it. <laughs> so we burnt it. And then we pulled up the carpet. We put new carpet in. We painted the walls. We brought new chairs. And the next Sunday, 60 people came into church and 30 of them walked straight back out, never to come back. But it was the best thing that could have happened. Because that day in church, somebody gave their life to Jesus for the first time. 
In fact, in six months, the church went from 30 people to 400 people, all of them getting saved for the first time. Do you see, the problem was this. The people believed more in the stuff than they did in the one who the stuff existed for. And I wanna remind you, this is a house of intimacy. Just a little while ago, I went down to Wales, the country where my mum and dad were born, little country next to England. A little lady, 94 years of age. Her name's Mrs. Tim. She led my dad to the Lord many, many years previous. I knocked on the door and Mrs. Tim is old. She, she walks with a walking frame and it takes her a long time to get from her sitting room to the front door. She got to the front door. She saw me. She was emotional when she saw me. She says, Glenn, I said, hello, Mrs. Tim. And I gave her a kiss. She said, let me make you a cup of tea. I said, let me make you a cup of tea. I quickly ran around her. Honestly, it took her so long to get from the front door to the sitting room that I could have literally cooked a three-course meal for her in that time. I took the two cups of tea into the sitting room. There were only two chairs in that sitting room. You see, her husband died 40 years before and she'd lived alone for 40 years. I took her, her cup of tea and I waited and she looked at the other chair. She said, Glenn, it's okay, you can sit in Jesus' chair. I sat in Jesus' chair. She said, do you know why I call it Jesus' chair? I've heard this story hundreds of times. I said, tell me, Mrs. Tim. She says, well, Glenn, I've lived alone for 40 years, but you know something? I'm not alone. Jesus is with me every day. She said, every morning I come downstairs. I sit down and I talk to Jesus as though He really is in that chair because He's everywhere, you know, Glenn. She said, let me tell you what happened yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was having my cup of tea. I was sitting in my chair. I said, Jesus, the gas bill is due today. It's only 20 pounds, but I don't have 20 pounds. So Jesus, you have a problem. Because your word says I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. So Jesus, I, I need you to come through for me. She said, then I started to pray. She was praying for your church in Manchester, praying for your family, praying for what God is doing in Wales and across Europe. She said, even before I said amen, there was a knock at the door. She said, I got up. She said, it takes me a long time to get to the door, you know. I said, really? I didn't realise. She said, when I got to the door, there was no one there. But there was a brown envelope on the mat. She said, I bent down to pick it up. It took me a long time to get down. It took me even longer to get back up. She said, I went back to the room. I sat in my chair, opened the envelope, <clears throat> Open the envelope, and do you know what was in the envelope? I said, 20 pounds? She said, don't be so silly. He's far more generous than that. There was 50 pounds in the envelope. And I want to tell you this. The same Jesus who's really real to a little old lady in a really small house who's lived alone for over 40 years is the same Jesus who can be real in your life in every circumstance and every situation. And so even though we come to ICF every Sunday and there are thousands of people who call this church home, even though there are thousands of people, there are 50 ICF churches, people who come to church to worship, I want you to know that in amongst the big crowd, Jesus, He's an intimate God who knows everything about you. Can I suggest this? Don't ever lose him in the crowd because this is a house of intimacy. It's a house 
not a ceremony. It's a house, not a hotel. It's a house where you can connect with Jesus Christ. And I wanna pray for you this afternoon. Thank you for listening so well this afternoon. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Because I wanna pray a prayer for those of you who are in church and you're saying, Glenn, I actually don't really know Jesus. I don't really know Him. I don't know what it is to be a follower of Jesus. You're here in church, you came with a friend or maybe you just kind of followed the crowd. You walked through the door, didn't really know what you were coming to. But you find yourself in church today and you've been looking and you've been searching. You've been looking for answers. You've been looking for other things in your life, trying to fill your life with other things. But you find yourself here in church today and you're beginning to realise the thing that's gonna make a difference in my life, in my world, is a relationship with God. Listen, there's another type of person here right now. And that's those of you who got busy. You got distracted. You once followed Jesus. You were really full on for God. Your heart was burning for God, but you got, you got so busy. You got so distracted with things. You, you began to put stuff before God and you've lost sight of Him and that relationship has fallen away. I wanna include you in a prayer tonight as well. Whether this is you for the first time saying yes to Jesus or this is you saying, Glenn, I'm gonna come back into a relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna reorientate my life with Jesus as number one in my life. I wanna pray for you. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna count to three. And after three, if that's you, you're saying, Glenn, I want you to include me in this prayer because I need Jesus in my life. I wanna center my life on Him, on God. Then I would love to include you in a prayer. I'm gonna count to three. You can lift your hands. You'll be able to drop it again. And I'm gonna pray a prayer from the front in Jesus' name. So if that's you, you're saying, Glenn, would you include me in this prayer? I wanna know Jesus. I want Him to be central to my life. Then after three, one, you're saying, that's me, I need Jesus. Two, I'm ready to commit my life to God. I haven't worked it all out, but I know I need Jesus. Here we go. Three, would you lift your hand really quickly so I can see, thank you, I see you. Who else? Thank you, thank you. Who else? Glenn, I wanna say yes to Jesus, making Him number one in my life. Thank you, sir, I see you there. Someone else, thank you, I see you there. He's number one. I'm making Him Lord of my life for the first time or you're coming back into a relationship with Him. Someone else, it's about five or six people. Just give you a few more moments. I wanna know Jesus. Fantastic, I'm gonna pray. Listen, if you lifted your hand up, you can pray this prayer in quietly to yourself in your heart as well. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I recognise that I need You. So I invite You right now to come and be the Lord of my life. Be my God. Be the change that I need. I'm so sorry that I lived my life without You. But now things are changing. I'm focusing my attention on You. Be my God and be my Lord in Jesus' Name. And Father, I pray for ICF. I thank You for this fantastic church. Lord, I pray that every single person sitting here right now, Lord, whether they're here for just a short time in Zurich or they're here for a long time, God, may they realise that they're here not by coincidence, but because You have caused them and called them to be living stones in this house for this season. Thank You, God, that this is the house of God, not a hotel. Thank You, God, that Your dream and desire is to build a glorious house in this city for Your Name. I pray an incredible blessing over every single person here in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you so much, church.